Hey y'all, what's up? Welcome back to your daily dose of dopamine. It's your girl, Danielle. And of course we have Sid and Emily and a very, very special guest, Jason Rosario. Woo! Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's a rainy Sunday in New York, um, week before the election. So I think the weather is, is telling to kind of how we're all feeling right now. But I'm good. Well, listen, we're so blessed and grateful to have you. And I just want to give folks a little introduction to who you are and why we asked you to be up here today. That cool? Let's do it. Okay. So Jason is an Afro-Latino native New Yorker who has spent most of his life breaking down barriers and building up inclusive cultures. He's passionate about innovation and the power of creativity to drive change. He is currently Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at BBDO Worldwide, which is the most awarded agency network in the world. Amazing. Jason oversees diversity, equity, and inclusion practices across BBDO worldwide. He impacts agency, diversity policies, and plans recruitment, retention, training, and education. He's an expert at helping brands identify and implement inclusive practices at the enterprise level. Brands like Netflix, Yahoo, Spotify, and Huffington Post. Prior to joining BBDO, Jason worked for Verizon Media Group as manager of global diversity and inclusion and was the executive producer and host of the Yahoo News original web series, Dear Men. Also in 2017, he founded The Lives of Men, which is a social impact creative agency that explores themes around masculinity, mental health, and culture. Uh, Jason graduated from NYU Stern School of Business with prior experience in financial services. He sits on the board of Made of Millions, a nonprofit organization changing the negative stigmas around mental health. So you can see why he, he's up here. Um, besides that, Jason enjoys spending time with people he holds closest. He's an avid reader, music aficionado, and lover of men's wear. Wow. It's always weird to hear your bio read back to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're like smiling and nodding. Wait, wait until it's over. Thank you for that, Dan. Yeah, you've done some amazing things. Thank Incredible. Well, I am just humbled to be in this space with you, but also very excited. I think today's topic of this idea of protecting Black men, um, I think we're in such a volatile space as a country right now. Um, one in which there's a lot of protect black men, protect black women, but it's November. We are focusing on our brothers this month. And so we're going to talk a bit about protecting black men. So, you know, we think back over, over the, the century and just the ways in which there's complex and systemic trauma uh, embedded into the black community. Thinking specifically about our black men, how would you say that has shown up in our community from your perspective? Man, we're diving right in, huh? Um, right so in. Much, we were prevented, right? <laughs> so it's 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 so much pressure to think about um, this month and kind of having this conversation because you know all of us as as men we're kind of having to navigate so many different circumstances, um, issues, etc. So the trauma, I, and I'll speak for myself and kind of from my own journey first, and then just kind of explore, explain it from there. But 
drama, the trauma shows up in different ways, not just um, in personal relationships. It shows up kind of in the ways that we treat ourselves as black men. It shows up in the, in the things that we kind of aspire to from a professional standpoint. So you have to think about all of that being within the context of a system that wasn't designed for us to begin with, right? So as black men, we aspire to, in our careers, to earn a lot of money and climb the corporate ladder, et cetera. Um, obviously understanding that that system wasn't put in place for us to succeed. Um, in our relationships, it shows up in the ways that we, um, to the extent that we're heterosexual men, show up with the women in our lives, right? How are we, um, with respect to commitment, how are we treating um, our our sisters, our friends, even like platonic friends? I think a lot of that shows up in in what I would say it's just a lack of love and understanding and patience um, in terms of wanting to be men who uh, who are considered strong, who are considered grounded, who are considered um, protectors in our community. I think we've lost a lot of what we really should be, and that is human beings, right? Human beings that are uh, in tune with ourselves emotionally, um, in tune with kind of the ways that we show up for ourselves and then for the people that we love. And so I think all of that trauma has put a lot of pressure on Black men and the Black community more broadly um, to really be just siloed and kind of be individual in the ways that we pursue um, all of the kind of self-actualizing things that we that we want to pursue in life. So I think for us as men particularly, there's a movement um, that's not new, but there's a movement uh, towards this, this idea of, you know, what does it mean to be a human being inside of, of, of a Black body? And what does that mean as it relates to how we want to show up uh, authentically and, and more fully for the people that we love and, and, um, and care about. So I would say that trauma shows up in different ways. We just have to be mindful um, that it always, it doesn't always show up in the ways that we would think. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it just speaks to black men being stifled in so many different areas um, in our society. And when I think of what you said, of just simply being a human being, black men are obviously seen as a threat to society. How do you communicate your intent to simply just exist in spaces without being seen as a threat? And is this I think it's absolutely necessary? necessary. And I'll go back and just kind of share with you a story that in large part was part of the, the reason or the, the, the impetus for why I decided to launch the lives of men back in 2017. If you all remember um, when Terrence Crutcher was shot, there was the police officer in a helicopter 100 feet up in the air. And she made the observation that, oh, wow, like he looked like a like a he looked like a bad man. Right. The dude was six foot four, over 200 pounds. I'm six foot four, over 200 pounds. And so for me, it was just like, wow, it's just a wake up moment um, that made me realize that, wow, that's how society views me. And so I'm very mindful of that. I'm very mindful of how I show up. The fact that I have to, when I walk into a space, people have to make room for me, not only physically, but energetically as well. And so that makes me maybe tailor some or, or maybe suppress some parts of myself, whether it's, you know, my, my physical presence, I'll tend to like crouch down and like hunch my shoulders or even the way that I use my voice, I'll tend to be a little bit more soft-spoken uh, because I'm aware of me being passionate might come across as me being angry. And so that, that, that is a, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's how we have to 
um, for our safety even and for our survival, be mindful of how we're showing up as black men. So it is a conversation that's necessary. And, you know, unfortunately we're still in that environment right now, right? Where we just saw another brother killed in Philadelphia not too long ago. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an awareness for sure. And it's not a, pri- it's not a privilege to be able to say, I'm going to be mindful of this uh, in the spaces that I, that I maneuver. It's just, it's just something that's constantly at the forefront of our minds. That's so interesting you say that because I remember on one of our first episodes, I think it was our first episode, actually, um, I made the comment to Emily about one of my brothers just being really angry, you know, and that was his presentation. And Emily reminded me, she was like, this, he's not angry. You know, if he was a white boy saying that we wouldn't we wouldn't see him or receive him as being angry, passionate. And so I think you're absolutely right. Um that I've noticed even just in the, in the men that are a part of my lives, just how they have to, I I don't want to say dumb themselves down, but like kind of like shrink themselves, if you will, to uh, make the people that are around them comfortable. And it, it, it kind of hurts my heart to hear, to hear it, you know, to hear you say, (laughs) you know, and to just accept that that is a part of the world we live in right now is so unfortunate that you feel like as a human being, you have to water yourself down the natural, most organic form of who you are so that it makes other people in the room feel comfortable. Like you should never have to do that. I mean, think about what that means for, from a relationship standpoint, right? Like when you're in a relationship and you're, you're being called on to be more emotive and more vulnerable and more, all of the soft things that we uh, ascribe to kind of, that's not masculinity, then that's a challenge, right? Because if we haven't done it all, all our lives um, and we then find ourselves in partnership where the survival of that relationship depends on it and we don't know how to do it, then that's what causes friction in relationships. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get there down the line um, in subsequent questions, but you know, it has broader implications than just you know, our survival and our safety as individuals. You're absolutely right. It will come up in subsequent subsequent (laughs) questions because that was actually kind of where I wanted to go with that, which is what does that look like for you? And how do you as a black man show vulnerability? Um, I can appreciate just in conversation with you now saying things like I have to shrink my shoulders. I have to lower my voice, you know, because I'm sure just as a man in general and as a human being first, it's not easy to admit that you have to do these things in order to make yourself less threatening. So how do you, as a Black man, show vulnerability in a time like this? It broadly or in relationship or just? I think uh, we'll, we'll start off with broadly, but then I do kind of want to know your perspective in relationship as well. And then I want to know also, why do you think such, uh, it's such a struggle for Black men to show vulnerability? Yeah. You know, I like to say, I I don't know if I tweeted this or posted this on Instagram, but I say that, you know, we're all, it's it's really about love, right? We all want to give and receive love, men, women, men, women, or whatever. Um, And I think vulnerability is the key that unlocks that in, in a very real sense. So when you think about as men, when we say we want partnership and we find ourselves, well, I'll take a step back, just broadly, we just want to feel like we belong to something bigger than ourselves. And in order to do that, you have to open yourself up to receiving whatever is offered. Um, and that's vulnerability. And I think right now, um, again, it, there's, this been, there's this movement that's been happening, um, which I'm blessed to be a part of the vanguard of men that are kind of being vocal about. And that is that, you know, men are starting to re- realize that 
our sense of self-worth exists outside of what we produce materially. Um, our sense of self-worth is really just because we, we were alive and we're here. Um, I'm enough because I'm alive, full stop. And I think that is that realization um, starts to then th make you think about, okay, so then what do I deserve as a man? What do I deserve as a human being? And that is love, right? And so when you take that thread and you pull on it um, and you, you find yourself in a relationship, that vulnerability piece is oftentimes when you have issues of, of um, tension, it's because there's something happening in that intimacy vulnerability piece that's not working. And oftentimes it's because men don't feel at home enough in that relationship to open themselves up and ask for what they need. Um, you know, I had a conversation recently with someone and I was asked, well, what do you need, right? And I was like, I just need tenderness. I need softness. I need that in my life. Um, and I'm not afraid to say that that's a need. And that's, that's the thing about vulnerability, right? Is that we're taught not to express what we need because there's a fear of being perceived as needy, right? Um, and so I think that's, that's where it all stems from is this idea that we need to we need to be mindful of and get aware of where our sense of self-worth is coming from um, and then act from that point uh, from that from that perspective. Uh, I feel really seen right now, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just got rid of just a smidge there. Uh, but I, I really appreciate that perspective. And I think just to kind of and I know we gotta move along, but like just to comment on that, I think it's a double-edged sword because not only do men particularly black men struggle with that vulnerability piece. But Brene Brown, she's like the, the expert on shame, guilt, vulnerability. She speaks to being vulnerable um, when you, you have to be vulnerable with the person that can adequately receive that vulnerability and knows how to handle it with care, right? And so I think because of our conditioning and our historic trauma, a lot of times women, black women, we don't know how to receive that vulnerability and we see it as needy sometimes we see it as he's too sensitive he's emotional and it kind of is like a turnoff it can be because we've just been conditioned well he needs to be a man he needs to man up you know so then we kind of like play into this hyper masculine you know thing that we hate so much as women but we also kind of like it's a double-edged sword we, we if we're not mindful of it we can play into that as well and so i really love and i hope that our fellows are listening you know i love how you put that like it is i think it's a it's a it's in partnership um and i think it's on men who are maybe dealing with a woman who is not as receptive or as open or as informed to help her with that you know you you've heard teach me how to love like you have to sometimes teach people how you need to be loved and how to speak up for what you advocate for what you need in, in your relationship. So creating a space for patients too, like on both parts, yeah. um, because in order for someone to grow, to learn to love you, there is a level of patience and you have to like people too. You know, I like all the time, like, I love him. I love him. But do you like him? Do you like her? Do you like them? You know, enough to be patient, to receive what they have to say, to receive and meet them where they are. Um, we are at different points in our lives always, and we will forever be, we'll forever be evolving, growing, changing, um, an amalgamation of our experiences in our life. So yeah, I also appreciate what you said and is a check for me, for all the men in my life um, who, and those that identify as men, uh, for all of them who just want to be seen and loved and respected and someone to be patient enough to see them through. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if y'all read, well, I'm sure you have Bell Hooks and A Will to Change in there. She says that um, on a random Wednesday at 2.30 p.m., all the men in the world are going to take to the streets and be like, 
I need to be heard. <laughs> and people all over the world are going to be scared. And I think that's the sentiment, right? It's just, I don't think the world, it's not just women. I just, I think the world isn't ready to hear men speak up about how they feel, right? And, and about what they need. I think that's just a, a foreign concept to a lot of people. And I think that's what's hopefully changing. Yeah. 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 Oh, there's so many things I want to say. Right. Um, <laughs> hearing all of that. Because I think that, and I, and I want to pivot us a little bit deeper into the relationship piece, thinking about being with a partner um, as, as a man, as a Black man, and just understanding like the levels of trauma, understanding the various ways in which you have to shrink yourself, understanding all the different things that we talked about up to this point. And I'd love to hear a little bit about, a, so a little bit of advice. Um, you know, what would you say, um, or what advice would you give to, to people in relationships about how to navigate these conversations about the vulnerability, about the needs that you have? Because I think it's interesting, you know, when you start, when you really begin to understand and name the things that you need, you know, that brings you to a, a, no, a new level, I think, um, for yourself. But then how do you operate in a relationship where either A, the person is, may not be ready for that from you, but you're ready to give that, or B, it may be that you're not ready to actually give the things you're asking to receive. So mm -hmm. it could be that you are, you know, telling, telling, your, telling your partner what you need, but when they are reciprocating that same thing back, you're unable to give them those things. You're asking for tenderness. However, you're treating this person very roughly. Um, and I, I'm not even gonna say like physically, I'm saying like emotionally roughly, right? You're asking for patience, but you have little to none with that person. So like, what kind of advice would you give to folks in terms of you're navigating, getting to your own levels of understanding about who you are, but then understanding also how do you somewhat navigate in a relationship? Because how often do people truly find each other at the exact same point in their development? I'd probably say never, often, often never. Um, and so we'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, you use the word advice and I, I'm, I cringe because I'm nowhere near the person to give anybody advice. Um, I'm still learning myself, but I would offer just kind of my learnings if, if that's helpful. You know, I think it, you know, it does start with becoming the person that you wish to attract, full stop, right? Becoming and investing in yourself such that you become the love that you want to receive. And that's it might sound super out there and super metaphorical. Um, esoteric, but it is true. Um, and then I think you just have to model it. You also have to model what it is that you desire. And I think that's the mistake that we make when we enter relationships, we enter with a, with a state of kind of this is, it's about possession. It's about you are now my man, you are now my girl, you're now my this or that. And we forget that we're two ships passing in the night, uh, hoping to kind of at some point meet on the same dock for long enough to, you know, to share each other and to learn each other. And that requires patience. That requires a level of selflessness that I don't think people, um, people think about when they enter partnership. And I think that's where it starts, you know, and, and all the other table stakes, the respect, the, the, uh, the patience, the compassion, all of that stuff I'm, I'm skipping over because I would hope that at this point in our lives, we would we would take that for we would we wouldn't take it for granted, but we would say that that's that's table stakes, right? So, in addition to that, there's got to be um, so commitment, right? Commitment. This word is is so so heavy and so loaded, but I think if you are committed to the other person's growth, spiritually, um, economically, physically, in whatever way, if you're committed to that person's growth and evolution, I think that's a great place to start. Um, because you'll always, 
you'll always be pointed in the right direction. Um, you're not necessarily focused on what the end result might be. Is it the wedding? Is it the house? Is it the kids? You're really focusing on the, the part of the relationship that will always be changing, and that is the person's evolution. And if you ground yourself there, I think you would, you would more often than not land in a, in a better place than you would if you were just shooting for kind of these false, these false senses of security, if you will, that we oftentimes um, tend to shoot for in a relationship. So that, and, and then in addition to all the other things that you mentioned, the communication, be, you know, speak up. You know, and I know that that's very difficult for men to do in a relationship because of what you mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, you have to speak up. You have to talk about, um, talk about what you what you need and what, you, what you're afraid of. Um, you have to give your partner that opportunity to learn you on that level. Otherwise, you're never going to get the love that you say you want as a man. Jason, yes. <laughs> you preaching to Andy. And like, and here preaching. I'm over just no, I'm say more. Like, <laughs> just say more. I'm, I'm going to try to do that this week. Like, I'm sitting here <laughs> taking middle notes. Like, how can I apply this to my relationship? That's good right there. That's good. And, you know, it's crazy. I was just talking to my mom about this today. Sometimes you can hear, you know, things from someone close to you. For example, my mom can say, Sid, you need to do this, this, this. And I'll just be like, yeah, okay, girl, got it. And then Emily can be like, Sid, yo, you really need to do this, this, and this. And I hear it differently from Emily. So, and it's, it makes me more, you know, apt to do it. So in hearing these things from you are things that they're not new things that I'm hearing. It's just right. like, we all know they, it. Hit a little different. they hit a little different. Cause it's like, well, the person that's telling me he's supposed to say stuff like that, or he would say stuff like that. So it, hearing it from you is definitely kind of, is sitting with me differently today. So I do. Wanna, I was, oh, good. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to add that one of going back to learnings, I've learned that black men are probably the most sensitive creatures on this planet. Hey, um, and I don't know if we. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> we, are. we are. I wasn't going to bring it up. I mean, I'm going to say nothing, but now that we're here, yeah, y'all are. I'm going to need you to. I'm going to need you to just repeat that back. One more game to make sure that the people in the back can hear. Yeah, what, yeah. You, what was that that you said? No, I just think that black men are the most sensitive species on this planet. That needs to be a short dose this week. <laughs> who's going to write and record that short dose? That You're going to have dudes knocking down my door like, yo, fam. Why are <laughs> you, why you giving up the secrets? <laughs> right. so I mean, we need to know. Right. Right. So speaking of Black men being sensitive, and we spoke a little bit earlier about hyper-masculinity, I'm curious to know, you know, in a world where there's a lot of competition going on, you know, it's no secret Black women tend to compete against each other when we really shouldn't. We should be better about encouraging and supporting one another. We do, but we could do a better job. I think the same thing exists for for Black men at times. So what are your thoughts about protecting Black men? How could Black men better protect one another during this time? Great question. Um, My mind automatically just kind of goes to like, I don't know, like 50 Cent right now, Lil Wayne right now, <laughs> kind of like that group of folks. I don't know why my brain is just that my brain went there. But in your words, how can you all better protect one another? Yeah, no, and it's, it's no coincidence that your brain goes there, because I think what I was going to say has something to do with why I think they're showing up in the way that they're showing up. Um, oftentimes, I would say 50 and, and to a certain extent, Lil Wayne are probably supporting Trump because they're voting with their pockets like a lot of people did. Yep. 
um, a lot of our folks voted with their pockets and not with their hearts and with their with their values, if you will. So to answer your question about how men, black men can protect each other, I think it starts with acknowledging the, that the system is set up for us to have this crabs at a barrel mentality, right? The, this idea that there isn't enough for all of us to win. And I think that's a fallacy, right? When you think about um, uh, abundance is a spiritual law, right? And I think if we can change our, and I know that I'm speaking in, in platitudes and in generalities, I get that. But I think it does start there is just that we need to think about um, the ways that we show up and what we value in the world, not from a place of lack, not from a place of, you know, well, I got to, there's only so much that I have that, that's out there that I have to get for me or my family and um, and readjust our thinking towards this idea of abundance. If you look back at our, our legacy as Black people that come from the continent of Africa, everything we've done is in community, everything. Everything from gathering to, to taking care of the village and the kids and, you know, everything has been done in community and in groups. And so there's, throughout the process, which we all know, um, a lot of those virtues were, we were separated from that. And so I think that's where it starts, is getting back to this idea that, look, there's enough out here for all of us to win. Um, and if I, and if, and if you t- get that promotion, then that only means that there might be something better for me, but that's not something that we think about. We don't think about things that way. Um, so I think that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. We can all eat. We say all the time around here, there's enough black girl magic for everybody. Like yeah. there's enough success out there for everybody. There's enough money out there for everybody. And I really do believe that we can absolutely achieve more together. You know, and we've gotten, Absolutely. gotten lost from that. We've gotten away from that as a community. Yeah. We should just all take more from the white people, personally. <laughs> um, I mean, that, there seems to be plenty. That's a good and Emily one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be plenty. And so in thinking about that that community and coming together and, co- and collaboratively making a change and, and essentially carving out our own space, um, how would you say... Black women can help protect black men better. The question. If we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. Let me lean forward a little bit. <laughs> I um, you know, it's funny because a lot of times people ask me, well, why do you do the work that you do with the lives of men? And is it is it only for men? And is it what is it about? Is it about making men better husbands, better and it's, it's not any of that. You know, my work isn't about teaching men how to be better anything. It's just really about ta- helping men and encouraging them to tap into their humanness, first and foremost, full stop. Um, I also say usually right after that is that my work is about building stronger communities, right? So if I can help men get to the point of having done that self-reflective work, then, I mean, sisters have been have always done that work, right? And so if we can show up, come to the table, having done our work, um, y'all have done your work, and then at some point we can figure out what's ours to do together. I think that's a stronger conversation, much more constructive conversation to have, uh, because it is ultimately about building stronger community, right? But we can't be better men, um, whether you're straight man, gay man, queer man, gen- you know, non-binary. We can't be better men, better human beings without y'all. And I think that's where it starts. So you know, it, it's. When, when you ask me what women can do, 
I would also, I would say the same thing. I would say, do your work in that way, right? Understand how you all uphold these ideals of patriarchy and, and, uh, and machismo and, and um, you know, antiquated and how you police us too, right? Like how you police each other, but then how you police us, right? Because again, you might have a man who shows up fully, fully aware of himself and is doing the work and is sensitive and all the things, but then when he, the first day he cries or the first day he's just like, yo, you hurt my feelings. It's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? And I know women like, like that. It's not, no indictment, but it's just, it's just, it goes to show how we are both affected in different ways by the same structures. So I would say just be mindful of how you have been affected um, by that. Um, and then try to show up to the table having done some of that work so that you can, you, you can help each other do the work together. I love that, Jason, truly. I mean, we talk so much about being intentional and committed to other people, but we rarely ever talk about being intentional and committing to ourselves. Um, and, and we seem to forget that when we do that, we become fully aligned with what's truly meant for us, the people that we're supposed to attract, the blessings, the accomplishments, all of that is all in alignment when we really, really focus and, and laser on ourselves. We talk about intentionality on this podcast, literally every podcast, every dose, it finds its way in. Um, so with that being said, what are ways in which you seek solace and protection as a Black man? Yeah, this idea of self-care is, is thrown out, thrown around so often. Um, I lean on my spiritual practice. That's my default. My default is to go within um, at all times. And that's going to sound super cliche, uh, but I'm not, I'm not a, I wouldn't say that I'm a religious person. I'm a very spiritual person in that I, I understand the power of source energy and, and, and how it shows up in my life. So I think that's part one is relying and defaulting to that. Um, I've also you know, thank to, thanks to the people that I've, that raised me have always been in tune with who I am and how I show up and what's important to me. And I've done the work and I'm continuing to do the work to, um, to ask for what I need, all right? It, whether it's in a relationship or a friendship or even at work, it's, you know, being in tune with myself such that I'm not taking for granted um, what's being given to me. Uh, I'm, I'm actually proactively and with intention, as you said, um, going out there and asking for what I need and positioning myself to receive what I need. So I think that has been probably the most transformational uh, part of my journey is to get to a point where I know myself so well and that I'm grounded in my two feet so well that I'm unapologetic about that. And that I'm, I'm you know, not, not to say that I'm quick to cut people off because I am to a certain extent, but I am uh, able to give people more grace in, in understanding that not everybody's gonna be where I'm at and is gonna be willing or capable of giving me what it is that I think I need uh, from that relationship. So, um, but I, I wouldn't have gotten to that point if I wouldn't have done the work to understand myself. So I would say that's how I find solace is, you know, continuing to be mindful um, of who I am, how I'm evolving, how I'm showing up and how I'm not showing up, right? What am I not doing? What, 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 where are the areas that I need to continue to develop in um, and actively doing that work? So. Not sure if that answers your question, but I would say that it always starts from within. It's that's that's just kind of that's just my default. No, it absolutely answers my question. I mean, there's no one answer to get to that or to make you feel seen and protected. 
Um, but with that, is there anything else you want to share in regards to holding space for our beautiful Black brothers? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, well, first of all, thank you for this, right? Because giving me this platform uh, to speak to three Black women is, um, I, don't, I haven't seen this often. I haven't seen men um, be invited to this conversation in this way, where you have committed, all three of you have committed to just purely listening and, and it being intentional about wanting to learn and wanting to maybe interrogate what you hold to be true, right? Like that's so, that's so important. Um, maybe it's easier because we're doing this virtually, right? And we don't have kind of the, the energetic flow uh, of physical energy to contend with, but that is first and foremost. So I would encourage all of your listeners to try that, to try that in their own ways, right? Whether it's with their little brothers, their sons, um, their partners, their fathers, right? Especially their fathers, if you can, because um, I think that's where a lot of uh, trauma is, is, um, is drawn from. But yeah, just give it, give it an opportunity and then just don't, be mindful of the ways that you police the men in your life. Um, because if I said we're sensitive, you know, sometimes it's the smallest things. It's the kind of the, the things that you wouldn't even realize you did or said that causes men to go to retrench further into themselves. And so I would say just be mindful of, of how you're showing up in that way as well. Love that. Lead with love. That's what my boyfriend tells me all the time. When I'm, as you say, policing him, I'm not going to be able to unhear that when I'm like getting at him about stuff. <laughs> the word policing is going to be in my brain. And that's a good thing for him because that's going to make me be like, oh, let me back off of him a little bit. And he always tells me, babe, I just, like you said, the tenderness, that's a thing for him too. He's like, I just need you to lead with love. I need you to be tender and warm and nurturing and affectionate. And I'm like, I just need you to pick up your clothes off the floor. <laughs> Yeah. A little bit more grace. Yeah. We, we all always use a little bit more grace. That that term of policing, I'm like, oh, this is very true. You might have I to have, have a little here. round table discussion after you get <laughs> I might have to I might have to have a kumbaya after this one. Um, <laughs> listen, I say I say I say all that to say that, you know, I don't wanna ascribe the work that we need to do as men to y'all, right? Like I I wanna be really, really mindful of that. Um and I think there's there's two camps out there of men that are doing this type of work. And that is the camp that says, no, this is my work to do and I'm fully responsible for it. And then there are the men that are just like, nah, because, you know, my ex-partner did this or my mom did that. And it's just like, fam, your focus is in the wrong place. And so I want to be mindful that for those of you that are listening to me speak before you come for me, <laughs> just know that <laughs> this is our work to do first and foremost. It's not for us to ascribe to anybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jason, this has been fantastic. That's it. Come on, y'all. But I, I, oh, no, no, no. But before we let you go, right. <laughs> we always love to close it out with a little rapid fire, which tends to also bring up a couple little topics that we might not have gotten a chance to go deeper into, but want to just give us some space and time for some, some quick questions. It's off the top of your, off the top of your head. Don't, to, don't, don't think super long. Just give us the first thing that comes to you. And for this one, ladies, I'll open it up to you as well. Of you course. Jump in with yours. <laughs> Jason gets to go first as our guest of honor to enter this space of rapid fire. So, Jason, we talked briefly about self-care, um, but we'd like to make sure that things are actionable, actionable and intentional. Mm -hmm. What is one thing you plan to do for yourself this week for self-care? Abstinence. Yes, Lord. Right. <laughs> 
said, I'm going to start throwing her water. Yeah. Fell out the chair. Fell out the chair. You don't hear that coming from men ever. Hardly. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you get it. Every once in a while, you get one. I think I've heard it more frequently from men, um, from men than I have women. Really? I have. Yeah, I think I think women don't necessarily have to talk about it in the same way that men do because women aren't ascribed to having that like always going after the sex type of mentality as is, as is so <laughs> <laughs> as it may be there for men. But I love it. That's great. Love that too, ladies. Anybody want to jump in? I'm taking a bath as soon as we get. I'm about to say, are y'all still stuck? Y'all still stuck? Okay, great. I'm uh, taking a bath though. That's for sure. Um, and I'm so Alabama hanging out with my family. So I'm going to keep spending some family time. And then I think at a certain point on Tuesday, I'm going to turn my TV off. Mm. Not sit up all night long trying to figure out what my Wednesday is going to look like. I'm just going to let Wednesday come. And that's going to be my like big self-care thing of the week. I was about to say, I'm going to take walks this week instead of spending time on social media and or watching the news. Oof. Because I, I know it's going to come. I'm coming over your house. Watch party. This, 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 hey, there we and go. I'm going to spend the night um, trying to be in the streets after that. Whatever come on. the result is. Come on, come on. Um, all right, Jason. Uh, what song gives you life when the world is getting heavy? Oh, man. The music aficionado. Right. Mm, he said it. He said it. So I was just trying to connect the dots. Um, Shit. Can we come back to that? Oh, it's, it's, is that against the rules? Rapid fire, so just say whatever. Say, what's on your heart? Um, the Light by Common. That's a great one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Recently, mine has been Beyonce's version of Lift Every Voice and Sing. It's fire. I don't know what it is. Some of those runs, in, like the song in and of itself, I, I've loved. <laughs> but something about the way that she sings, it just mm. gets me right. Y'all already know what I'm going to say. Love, 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 Donnie Hathaway. Hathaway. <laughs> do we know our friend or do we know our friend? Right. Love, 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 Donnie Hathaway. This is my jam. Also because I change it to it being about me. Like, I think when you first listen to the song, you think of it as a love song to someone else. Why did you take so long to come find me? But I say it to myself, like, why did you take so long to love yourself and care for you and I mm-hmm. kind of identify a new meaning each time I listen to it. So try it next time. Can I change my answer? <laughs> you um, can, but yeah. I was listening to it earlier today and I was like, wow, this is such a perfect Sunday song. Um, and it's it's a Kanye song, but it's Rain, his cover of Rain, SWV's Rain on his last album. Oh, the gospel? Yeah. It's amazing. You can't even deny it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Mine is um, <laughs> so cliche, but I was listening to it yesterday and then I just kept the whole album on. But optimistic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds, sounds of blackness. I yeah. love it. Sounds of blackness. Yeah. And then they got that just hold on. Hey, <laughs> that's, a, that's another one. Mm-hmm. So it sounds a black. That's a good one. I add all these to the the playlist that I'm working on. Facts. All right, Jay. What or who 
is someone that you follow, could be social media, podcast, some some outlet that keeps you motivated. Um, you need a good word. You you know where to click. Um, it's a it's this dude that's on a similar journey. His name is uh, Brandon Alexander. Um, mm-hmm. He founded New Age Gents on Instagram. Um, similar wavelengths as far as what we think regarding the masculinity journey. Um, super dupe. And actually someone that you might want to have on your podcast as well, if you want to continue this throughout the month. And I'm happy to make that connection. But Brandon Alexander, New Age Gents on Instagram. Love, love it. it. Love it. Danny Sage, you guys got anybody? Mindful MFT. Vienna Farron. Mm-hmm. She's a clinician there in New York. She's a mar- marriage and family therapist. I think she's like the therapist for therapists. She Everything she posts just gives me life. So if you ever are just going through my story and there's like quote after quote after quote after quote, <laughs> you know that I've like binged on her page for the last 15, 20 minutes to kind of just gird myself with a little bit extra yeah because I, I, I get a little lost on her page <laughs> i like tabitha brown i just love how she talks she said because that's my business like <laughs> like like so like that <laughs> i don't know i feel like i relate to her just you know being from the south and she's just so soothing and then shalea music oh she sang her ass off Aww. and gorgeous <laughs> Sometimes I go there and I'm like, I need to sing better. But no, I love her. She can sing. My wrote off. Facts. Mine is actually a a wonderful page. I saw by one of my profiles, Dear Dope Chick. Mm, I can hear. When I go on there, I always find something. I always find something. I was like, "Mm, that's what I knew. I didn't know I needed (laughs) that right there. All right, one more. So we are one day eventually going to be able to go places again. Um, It might be with a mask on, but one day eventually we might get on planes like we used to. And so when the world opens back up a little bit and Americans are allowed to go places, because right now everyone says, no, you may not come here. uh, Where's the first place that you plan to go? Great question. Um, Probably Cape Town, South Africa. Ooh. Yeah, I want to. So my plan was to be like there for that. New Year's this year. Um, I'm not sure if they'll be open in time, but it'd be Cape Town and Joe Bird. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Africa is at, at the very top of my list, but I that's think I have to go to I'm thinking Turks and Caicos, but it did with a chef. This might give me a lobster <laughs> tail. Just dip dip it in the butter for me and just all the tan lines. Just yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's good. We'll probably be together. <laughs> probably. I think I would just go on a trip that I was supposed to go on this year. I would go to Brazil. I was so sad when they Man, you look so sad. <laughs> Russell, Brazil. you look really Where upset Brazil, by where that. Are you going? Uh Rio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Check out Bahia, it's where most of the black people are. Uh, get your get your list together, Sid. Y'all know Angel is Brazilian and Cuban. People look at him and they like he black and he, that man starts speaking Spanish on your ass and it just I that's, like, that's Jason too. Just a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> they say I have enjoyed talking to you lovely ladies. You had to put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ain't nothing sexier to me than when that black man. I know, that's why I said it. I'm not saying y'all are. right quick. <laughs> y'all are terrible. I only get it when he's angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Pull the hell off of me in Spanish. Like, I understand it. I can't say it back, but I know what you said. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I want to communicate passionately. It's in Spanish, for sure. Mm. I don't know why y'all, is it because you don't want us to know what you're saying? Or is that just. No, it's just what, it's what we grew up with. So when our grandmamas and our mamas used to, you know, want to emphasize something, it was always in Spanish. And so that's the same thing. All right. We ain't gonna get nothing out of you today, huh? Uh, today. Can we get an adios? Ciao. Nos vemos pronto. Gracias. Yeah. Gracias. <laughs> now, Jason, thank you so, so, oh, so much you. for giving your insight and vulnerability to this conversation today. I think it's gonna be really well received. And if not, but one man hears this and feel seen and heard, and we've all done our job. So I'm so thankful for- Oh, thank you for inviting me. Emily said, such a pleasure mm-hmm. to meet y'all. Um, keep it up. You know, I've been listening to a few episodes and I told Danielle, I was like, wow, this is incredible. So please keep doing what you're doing. Um, if I could be of service to you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. And um, I can't wait to see what this is all, what it what it all comes down to when, I, when you edit it down. So it'll yeah. be fun. Thank you. This is got I got my life together today. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and Mr. Manuel, thank you for that. <laughs> tell, him, tell him to hit me. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, y'all. Thank so you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Happy Sunday. Be well. Okay. Thanks for tuning in and sticking with us through another episode of your daily dose of dopamine. We truly, truly enjoyed having Jason Rosario as our guest today. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to need some edge control because he didn't snatch my edges right on off. Fellas, I hope that you were able to receive some of the wonderful gems that he imparted on us. If you enjoyed today's dose, do us a favor. Rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast with someone who you think would really enjoy and benefit from hearing the words of wisdom that we got today. And more than anything, we want you to come right back here on Monday for another week's worth of episodes. And stay tuned for the rest of the month as we bring you some more dope guests as we highlight and celebrate men's mental health. So we hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you right back here on Monday for another episode of your daily dose of dopamine. Peace and love, y'all.